The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special edition of The Real Forno Show. We're going to be talking Senior Bowl, where currently myself, Matt, and Miles from Vikings Happy Hour will be And we are going to talk about how to watch the Senior Bowl because it's unlike anything else on the NFL calendar and how to keep track of things and what to make of the fact that practice means more than the game. We'll also touch on the Vikings defensive coordinator search as they have wrapped up for interviews. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire. Betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website, publisher of Substack Run and Shooter, host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Real Forno Show. My name is Tyler Fornis, and with me, as always, producer Dave, top right corner. Um, we are coming to you live on Friday afternoon uh, because I am currently down in Mobile, as I said in the intro, covering the Senior Bowl. But we wanted to make sure that you had a show to watch at your normal time slot. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's Friday. It's going to be a fun weekend. Good football to watch on Sunday. Of course, my show on Saturday. And uh, we're going to have a blast. My sister and brother-in-law's in town, so I'm going to have fun. Daughter number two's coming to town on this hey. weekend as well, so it's going to be a mini family reunion. Going so, is this your oldest or youngest daughter that's coming to town? Number two, middle daughter. Oh, so you've got three. Okay, I've got three. Yeah, well, I, we okay. gave up after three. <laughs> Don't blame you. Three is definitely a lot of kids to handle, let me tell you. Um, Hey, that sounds like a good time. I'm excited to watch the Super Bowl between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Cincinnati Bengals here in a couple of weeks. (laughs) And we'll we'll see if that ends up. And as of recording, we don't know that that's going to happen. But that is the favored. Yes. No, it, it, it should be a lot of fun. Dave, let's talk briefly about these defensive coordinators uh, that the Vikings have interviewed so far. And then we're going to touch on the Senior Bowl as well. By this point, we may have actually hired a defensive coordinator. And if I had to make a guess of the four candidates that were brought in, I would guess it's Brian Flores. And the reason I'm guessing Brian Flores, one thing that a young head coach should always have on staff is former head coaches. We saw Mike Zimmer do it to oblivion uh, when he became the head coach. He wanted to make sure he was 
surrounded by minds that had already been in his shoes so he could go to them for advice. Norv Turner, Pat Shermer, um, Tony Sperano, and there's one more that I think that I'm missing. He made sure that he had people around him that knew the job to make that transition easier. Kevin O'Connell did so as well. Um, obviously, Donatel was not Kubiak wasn't on the original staff though. Not on the original was, staff, but when I'm just talking that original staff. Okay, because the reason why I'm talking only about the original staff is because Kevin O'Connell did the same thing. He brought in a lot of experience. Ed Donatel is not a head coach, but he's been a defensive coordinator at multiple stops, been in the league 30 years, provides an incredibly valuable resource. Mike Pettin and Mike Smith, both defensive assistants, were also brought on staff, and they were both former head coaches. Pettin with the Browns in 2014-2015, and Mike Smith was the uh, head coach of the Atlanta Falcons right before Dan Quinn took them to a Super Bowl. So you had a lot of experience. Wes Phillips, obviously the offense coordinator, son of Wade, grandson of Bum, uh, which is son of bum is also Wade's Twitter account handle, which is tremendous in its own right. <laughs> but he made sure that he had experience with them and people who had been around the game a long time. One of the reasons I think Flores will be the guy is they crossed over in 2008 when Kevin O'Connell was a second year quarterback for the New England Patriots. And Flores has been a head coach. Flores understands how to run a defense. He understands how to run a team. And quite frankly, he didn't deserve to be fired after the 2021 season, one of the reasons he was fired is because Steven Ross was desperately trying to lure Sean Payton and Tom Brady to Miami, and they end up losing their first-round pick because of it. And you kind of take all those things into consideration, and I think he's the front-runner for the job. He's going to run a 3-4, but he's going to run a lot of hybrid stuff. He's going to find ways to maximize his talent while he continues to bring in guys that he thinks is going to fit his system. That's something that Bill Belichick always did. They never really had like, hey, we're running this defense and we're only going to run this defense. He's like, eh, we're playing the Bears. Let's mess around and let's do this. Because it's kind of like in a similar way to how Mike Zimmer used to think. I'm going to attack them based on what they are and adjust accordingly. And that's what Brian Flores is going to bring to you. A lot of single high safety, cover three, cover seven, and doing a lot of match coverage, which looks like man, but is really a zone concept. It's something that Nick Saban um, made famous at Alabama. And taking guys like, hey, they're entering this area. Once they enter this area, you're taking them and you're going to go do all these other things. I'm not an expert in man match, but the general construct is you're not guarding an area. You're guarding a person in an area. And if they stay within a certain boundary, you're hooked to them. And it's, it's not like cover two. You have your corner about five yards off the line of scrimmage. He's going to drop about five or six yards, and he's going to stay in that zone and read the quarterback. Man match is going to be a little bit closer to man than it is zone, but it's still kind of in that weird gray area. But it's a very successful defense, and we've seen him be successful across multiple levels of football with great defensive minds. And I think Brian Flores would be able to bring that here and be able to do a lot of that stuff. But I don't think he's going to limit himself to that. We know Kevin O'Connell likes the Vic Fangio-style defense, but I like that he's not only interviewing Vic Fangio candidates. He only interviewed one, and that was Sean Desai. Desai ran the Vic Fangio defense um, in an opposite way of what the defense is supposed to be. He was fifth in total defense, 26th in points allowed. The reason why, negative 13 turnover differential. The offense was abysmal 
under the final year of Matt Nagy. You obviously had a rookie quarterback adjusting, and then Andy Dalton, massive amount of injuries. There were a lot of different reasons why Desai did not have the kind of success you would project him to have. It's also one of the reasons why he's a very popular candidate right now, Dave. I love what he brings to the table, and he spent this past season in Seattle with Clint Hurt and Pete Carroll. They wanted him to bring over some of the Fangio stuff to implement with their cover three, cover seven stuff that they already run. Because Pete Carroll's pretty much off the Belichick tree, but he kind of became the foundation the of that cover Grant three. tree. Mm-hmm. That too. They He's a Parcells guy, and he's a Bud Grant guy. They do a lot of, like, we all remember the Legion of Boom, cover three. It swept the league by storm. Well, that cover three is mostly dead. You still see it run, but it's that style of defense is not it's not as successful because they found ways to beat it. And that's why the Fangio defense, there are plays to beat it, but you can still be very, very successful with it. And teams haven't quite figured it out yet. That's why Kevin O'Connell wanted to bring it in because he couldn't figure it out. It gave him a lot of issues. And if you go back, go back and watch the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Patriots. Brian Flores put, had Sean McVay in hell, in absolute hell. That's why these guys love people who give them trouble because if they can give me trouble, they're going to give you trouble. And that's kind of the idea behind hiring some of these guys. But Desai um, would be a very good candidate. He's probably my number two choice. I want Brian Flores. And an underrated element of this whole thing, Dave. I don't believe it's going to play a major factor in hiring, but it could be a major factor down the line. If you hire Brian Flores or Sean Desai and they become a head coach, you get two third-round compensatory picks because they are minority candidates. And that is, I guarantee you, that is something that, one, is floating in the back of the mind of both men, both Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Dofamensa. And two, we know Based on the conversations that they have both had, they are very pro-minority candidates. They are pro, are you going to be the best candidate? And they're not going to value race at all in like choosing. Because we've seen it across the league. Hey, I uh, one of the reasons Brian Flores is suing the NFL is because they had already hired, decided to hire Brian Dayball on the Brian Flores interviews basically for show. Like, there are real issues with the hiring practice, but I don't believe that this team has any of those. They're going to hire the best dude. And I think that best dude is going to end up being Brian Flores. Dave, one question I want to propose to you. Do you think Flores takes the job? I very much would like Brian Flores. He's my number one choice as well. There is a problem Mm -hmm. with Brian Flores, however. Brian Flores interviewed for the head coaching job of the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals have yet to select their head coach they very well may pick and select Brian Flores. Now, you can get into all sorts of conspiracy theories, whether the NFL is going to continue to blackball them because of the lawsuits that are out there, or if they're going to try to placate him because the lawsuits are out there. We don't know. If Arizona does not select him as head coach, yes, I want him in Minnesota. Flat out, period, paragraph, without a doubt. There is the potential, though, that 
some of that lawsuit and those cases might interfere in the future, though, when things come about. I'm sure the lawyers are good enough to try to get it scheduled during the offseason, but that will be hung over his head for a while as a possible threat. But I do believe from a coaching standpoint and being a person that he is, I think he is the right man for our job in Minnesota. My second selection would be Sean Desai as well. Yeah, I'm I'm a big Desai guy, and I'm also a big Flores guy. The other two candidates are also interesting, and let's talk about Mike Pettin. We know Pettin's history. We he was he's a Rex Ryan guy, and we talked about it on the show before, Dave. A Rex Ryan guy is not too dissimilar from a Vic Fangio guy. They run very similar uh, coverages, but the how they want to defend is strategically similar yet different. Rex Ryan, that style of defense is what Wink Martindale wants to run. He wants to attack, 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 attack. And he wants to put all the pressure on you, and you have to beat him with guys in your face. That's how they always wanted to play. You have great corners on the outside, and you develop pass rushers because you don't need great pass rushers because you're going to blitz like crazy. So you want great blitzers. And linebacker is such a priority. Same with defensive line. The edge rushers, they've always developed in that system. It's you have you had your Terrell Suggs there for a long time and they they spent a first round pick on him. But you have like your Pernell McPhees, your Zadarius Smiths, your Matt Judons, your round three, four, and five edge rushers, guys you can develop and teach because they don't have to do as much. They're not asked to win one on ones like Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith were this past year. Hey, you need to win on the outside because we are not giving you help in blitzes. That's not how Rex Ryan likes to run his defense. He likes to attack, 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 attack. And that puts a lot less pressure on the edge rushers because they are going to deal with one-on-ones. They're going to have open lanes. They're going to have the ability to do a lot of different things because it's a scheme defense and less of a talent defense. You still want to have talent, but you're not relying on your edge rushers to do more than your corners. You need your corners to play good man coverage. Which is why if you take a look at the Baltimore Ravens currently, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, what are they? Great cover corners in man coverage. And they can lock you down while you're sending the house. And I that is kind of the key to what their defense is. That's why like you even go back to Marvin Lewis's defense in 2000 because it's the same tree. The Ravens, up until this past year, basically ran the same style of defense with Evolution for 20 years. Incredible stuff, right? Now, it helps when you have an Ed Reed and a Ray Lewis for a decade. But they've been able to mix and match and really be a good defense for that long. Really impressive, right? And Patton comes from that tree. He was Rex Ryan's defensive coordinator for uh, multiple years with the Jets. Then he took over for the um, head coach of the Cleveland Browns. He was okay as the head coach. I don't. I think they Jimmy Haslam... Uh, has way too quick of a trigger when it comes to head coaches. That's why guys would only last two years. Well, they, you can't get your feet under yourself in two years. I think his last year he won seven or eight games, then they still canned him. That's clear. Not exactly a great process. Mm-hmm. Then after that, he became an uh, assistant with the Packers and then became their defensive coordinator. He ran good to okay defenses, but the problem was in big moments and when times needed it, 
he never adjusted. He never like had that fastball where, hey, I need to make a play. I'm going to call this, and we're going to get out of this situation. Just It was just kind of okay, and he became stagnant, which is why they had to move on from him and let him go. And I've seen a couple media members talk about, oh, Patton would actually be a good candidate. He's really shouldn't be because like the argument is, oh, but he was great like with the Jets and he had good defense with the Browns. Like, sure, he had good defenses a decade ago, Dave. I mm-hmm. don't care. Well, and like, the ability not to adjust is what caused Ed Donatel to uh, get released because there was no visible adjustments. <clears throat> and at the times that they did come, they were usually too late. And you could look at the games – the second games of teams we played this season. All right, we beat Green Bay in week one, killed them. Green Bay comes back in the second game and just demolishes us, and you don't see much of a difference on the defensive side from week one to when they beat us the second time. First game, we win against Detroit. Second game, Detroit was much tougher, and the defense gave up more yards. And then comes the Giants. We win against the Giants, and in the second game, they were playing basically the same defense, and nothing changed, and the Giants defeated them. If Petten, Petten was part of that, some way, somehow, at least as an advisor, and it reeks of what Petten did in Green Bay where the adjustments weren't made. I don't want that. Uh, Very much the talking point out of Egan is they want aggressive defenses. They want attacking defenses, very much so. I don't see that as being aggressive. I don't see not making changes from week to week, game to game, as being aggressive. So... You've got to be able to do that. Petten is my last choice of anybody. I'd rather go add a fifth guy to the list or a sixth or a seventh before I chose Coach Petten. Yeah, I think the benefit of interviewing Petten is, one, you're making good on a an assistant on your staff and interviewing him for an open spot. One, that's a good thing. You want that kind of um, you want that kind of thing in your building. Hey, there's an open spot. We do think about promoting from within. Always good. Two, Patton had a, an inside view on the issues with Ed Donatel, and maybe he's got some extra insight on how to fix this defense. And three, I don't think he will be, but maybe he ends up being the best candidate based on that interview, and maybe he is able to turn this defense around. You never know until you try. And I think that's objectively a great thing, Dave. Talking to people and getting perspectives can help you find the solution. And now the fourth guy is a very interesting candidate. Ryan Nielsen, the co-defensive coordinator for the Saints. He obviously is not the play caller. That's still Dennis Allen. But he came from the college ranks, spent five years as a defensive line coach before getting promoted um, to also having the title of assistant defensive coordinator. So you know he's involved in some game planning stuff. He is done a tremendous job with the Saints defensive line. You look at the development of Cameron Jordan. Um, Marcus Davenport has turned himself into a good player. Sheldon Rankins before he ended up leaving. Um, and there have been a few other guys who have come through that have been really good. The interesting part here is he's going to 
likely transition us to a 4-3 base, but run a lot of different stuff. I don't know if I want this type of defense and kind of the things he brings to the table, but I like the idea of interviewing somebody who's different, who's not like-minded in in thinking the way you are and how you want to, run, want to run your defense. Maybe he's got some interesting insight. Be like, hey, this is what we you did. This is how I would do it differently. This is what I would have done. And this is why I think my defense makes sense. Maybe it resonates with you and you decide, you know what? Let's do it. So I, I, it's always good to get different perspectives. And I think the addition of Nielsen to this interview list is objectively good. He's a finalist, I believe, for the Atlanta Falcons defensive coordinator job. I think Tennessee wanted to talk to mm-hmm. him. Like He's a relatively popular um, guy as far as continuing to rise through the ranks. So it's not like the Vikings are just throwing a dart here. And I think that needs to be taken into consideration. Um as we kind of look forward, Dave, I think that with the Vikings, Brian Flores should be the, the guy. But the only one I really don't want is Mike Pettin. And that's I mean I mean that's I feel like that's pretty obvious. Uh, it's it is to me. I feel the same way. Now it all depends on that room with Kevin O'Connell and Quasi and whoever else is in there, how they are evaluating these interviews and the research they did beforehand as to what defenses they play and how it could apply to the current roster or projected rosters of the Minnesota Vikings. You've got to remember, whoever they hire, they've got to get in relatively quickly because that person is also going to influence uh, draft direction mm-hmm. and be able to say, well, for the defense I'm envisioning, I would like players with these skills at these positions, right? Whether it be linebacker, mm-hmm. whether it be cornerback, um, defensive interior, safety. The one thing about Nielsen is he – did play defensive line in USC or at USC. He knows the mm-hmm. position. There's does that you're going to want him in there so they can influence how the board is racked and stacked for Quasi when we get closer to the draft. Yeah, um, I completely agree. Um, this whole defensive coordinator thing is going to be interesting. And one of the reasons why selecting a guy, I think they need to select a guy before Monday because they need to have at least a general idea of what the defense is going to be so they can help influence how they're going to scout the senior bowl. And let's transition here. The Vikings did not have an, a head coach for the last senior bowl, but they they had already knew that they were going to hire Kevin O'Connell, or at least they were pretty dang close to it. So, this year, they have a set plan. They have their board. For the most part, they have guys that they like, and then they're going to use the next two months of data to really solidify what that board is going to look like. Now, with the Vikings, they need to set their defense because they need a cornerback. I wrote a piece for the Vikings Wire this week, ranking the needs from 11 to 1. I had 
cornerback at number two. Here's why I had cornerback at number two. It's not because corner's not a tremendous need. They need players. They need multiple players at the position. Cornerback is a weak league system. Just don't have anybody really bad. Like, take a look at some of the uh, units here. The Chiefs. Name one of their corners. Just one. Mm-hmm. No. And like, I can name one Trent McDuffie, but they, they just right. have quality players. They don't have anybody stand out. They don't have anybody great. They just have okay guys. But none of them are bad. Right. And I and think it's, that's the big thing. And, and you think if you're an offense and you're planning against a defense, you want to attack the weakest link. The quarterback wants to throw against the worst cornerback, if at all possible. They're going, they're going to be plays designed to take advantage of that worst person. So if you can get competence across the board, that helps because then that can shut it down and it opens up a whole bunch more options for the defensive coordinator to make it miserable for that offense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, as far as other teams in this in the final four, the only team that really has great corners, Philadelphia Eagles, and that's because they have Jalen Hurts on a baby contract. He's making his cap hits like two million dollars. They have Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Bradbury, they likely won't be able to break back next year. But they also build within the trenches. Their defensive line is great. Their offensive line is great. Um, now they have the receivers to back it up. And this is why I, I'm going to pound the table all offseason. The Vikings need to take a quarterback in this draft. Where you take the quarterback, I don't think matters as much. Unless you move on from Kirk Cousins, which at this point, I give it about a 10% chance. But if the Vikings really prioritize the position, they need to start throwing darts. They threw a dart at Kellen Mond. I loved the process. I thought the player selection stunk. And I've said that since day one. I tried to talk myself into him like, oh, I could see some tools, but he was he was just bad. And the idea of taking a quarterback, eventually you're likely to hit on a Russell Wilson, a Dak Prescott, a Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins was a fourth-round pick. He was the first pick in the fourth round in 2012. Those things are objectively good. You want to have guys ready to go, potentially able to step up. Just look at this year. Skylar Thompson started a playoff game and was close to beating the Buffalo Bills. Brock Purdy, the last pick in the NFL draft at 262, is about to start in the NFC Championship game. Not by design, by necessity, but he's he's played good enough to get this team there. He hasn't lost the game. <clears throat> the Vikings need to take these kind of darts, Dave. You're mm-hmm. going to miss more often than you hit. But if you hit on a backup, guess what? You draft a fourth-round backup, he's going to be cheaper than Nick Mullins. He's going to be cheaper than what Buffalo's paying Case Keenum. He's going to be cheaper than what Chase Daniels getting out in L.A. with the Chargers. Mm-hmm. A good backup quarterback on a rookie-scale contract is still a benefit for you because now you don't have to go overpay somebody. The Vikings need to start taking a quarterback, and they need to do it now. Now, if you don't want to take a quarterback early and you want to take a guy to develop, well, guess what? There's plenty of those guys here in the Senior Bowl. Let's talk about him. Clayton Toon, Houston. Good football player. Has all these incredible tools. He can whip the ball around. 
He's a big dude. He's not great with his decision making and his accuracy is a little bit of a concern. But you know what? That's okay. Because he's a developmental guy. And you know what? I would rather have the guy who just whips it around and, hey, I'm just going to try and make a play than a guy who's like, eh, I'm just going to hand it off. Eh, I'm going to be boring. Imagine Christian Ponder (laughs) as your backup quarterback. Now I'm good. Like, oh, I'm just going to roll out and throw it away because I stink. No, I'd rather have a guy who's going to be a gunslinger, and that's exactly what Toon is. Um, BYU's Jaron Hall. I'm going to drool over Jaron Hall for the next month or two. I love his ability to throw it deep. He is inconsistent with his reads. He's inconsistent seeing the field, working through progressions. But I think you can continue to work on those things. What you can't replicate is how incredible he is at dropping the ball in a bucket. He can throw the ball 50 yards and and it just lands perfectly. And he does it with consistency. It's not like, oh, he has one or two throws. He has like one a game. That's the kind of consistency you want to see. That is something that is special. And I can work with the rest of it. Will he ever pan out? I don't know. But you have somebody who can do something special like that? I want to give it a try. I want to try and develop that guy. And like, even though Kirk Cousins had a great year, and there's a chance that he could be really good for a few more years. You have to think of the future now. Hell, Tom Brady's about to enter his age 46 season. The Patriots yeah, started how many of his, in 2014. How many of his drafted uh, backups went on to have good careers or at least good trade value when they hit that four-year mark mm-hmm. that netted New England more picks? Absolutely. Jimmy Garoppolo, second-round pick. They got a higher second-round pick because they picked him at 64th overall. Boom. There's one. Jacoby Brissett picked him in the fourth round. Might have been the third. It was the third of the fourth. They flipped him for Philip Dorsett and a pick. Like, you can do that. Just look at what the Packers used to do with Brett Favre. They got high picks for Matt Hasselbeck and Mark Brunel. Like, that's not a mistake. You you bring these guys in, you develop them. Now, it's not that, that day and age where, hey, Houston Oilers used to have Cody Carlson behind Warren Moon. And they had him for like eight years before he became the starter in 94. And it, well, it did not go well. But in 93, there was real talk about benching Moon for Cody Carlson because you developed him. The Vikings had Todd Bauman. Um, in like 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, he started some games and he played well because the Vikings nurtured and developed him. It's not the same era anymore, but you need to start looking at trying to do that because, it, one, it's the most important position in football. Two, you never know. Hell, the Niners didn't think they'd have two broken ankles on quarterbacks this year. Mm-hmm. They did. Now they're starting Mr. Irrelevant. He's a, he could lead him to a Super Bowl. Invest in the position. Let's talk about a couple more, and then I'm going to do some big picture stuff. Because quarterbacks are the easiest position to watch. They're going to get the most attention. We talked about Hall. We talked about Clayton Toon. Jake Hayner from Fresno State is one that you're going to want to keep an eye on. This guy is tough as nails. He gets beaten, battered. He he will stand in and, and just get murdered. There was a game in 2021 against UCLA. 
the end of that game is phenomenal. Back and forth. There was like 21 points in the last three minutes. Jay Kaner down, goes down, scores a touchdown. He gets hit so hard. Looks like his hip gets dislocated. Just battered. He is struggling to torque to throw a football. He doesn't have the biggest arm in the world anyways. So he's really laboring to throw that ball. DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, goes down with the Bruins. They score quickly. And then Jay Kaner's got to do it again. You know what he does? He does it again. And he's uh, he throws the ball, and then he instantly grabs his hip. It's kind of reminiscent of Brett Favre. Like, Favre, you always knew was beaten, battered, and bruised. And he would always, like, grimace when he threw the football when he was really hurt. That's kind of what Hayner looked like. And he led them down for another touchdown to win the game. He's got that kind of moxie. He's got capable enough tools. And he knows how, how to play the position. I think he'd be a good developmental guy. At worst, he's going to have a backup career in this league for a long time. Because he's he's just that kind of cerebral player. He's going to be someone to watch. Um, TCU's Max Duggan does not have the greatest tools in the world. But he led TCU, who was projected to finish like 7th in the Big 12, to the national championship game. And that's not a mistake. Duggan has that kind of moxie. Led one of the best comebacks I saw all year. I would argue it was better than... Um, two of the comebacks that we, we saw the Vikings make, the 17-pointer and the 33-pointer. But this was only a nine-point comeback, and they were 10-0 and at the time. They were at Baylor. Duggan was down three of his top four weapons in Waco, Texas, against a very good Baylor defense. Scored 10 points in the final four minutes to lead them to victory and keep that undefeated season alive and a shot at the playoff. That is the kind of guy you'd get with Max Duggan. Very, very talented player. The fifth guy we'll talk about is Malik Cunningham out of Louisville. Late add to the Senior Bowl roster. One of the big things with Cunningham, he's kind of like a baby Lamar Jackson, where he plays like Lamar Jackson, but he's nowhere near as good. He's a run-first style quarterback who's great in the open field. He can throw the football, but it's definitely not what you would call his strength. And I think he'll get exposed in Mobile. But I also think he has talent. And can you nurture the passing side? Because the rushing element, he's got down. Can you get him to be consistent? Because when he strings together consistent drives, there are people talking about him, oh, this guy could maybe build himself to be a first-round pick. Problem is he's never been able to string anything with any form of real consistency to even put himself on the radar. The last one is going to be the most interesting sleeper of all, Dave. You ready? Mm -hmm. His name is Tyson Bajant. B plus agent. That's how. That's what his last name looks like. From Division II Shepherd College. This guy's got NFL tools. He played in the D2 level in kind of a Mickey Mouse offense. Um, a lot of RPOs, a lot of read option kind of stuff. A lot of air raid concepts where you're throwing goes and outs. And I mean, he's got tools, but you are, he's definitely going to have a he's definitely going to have a learning curve. When you look at Bajan, he can see the field well. He's got mobility. He's got a big arm. He's accurate. He needs to work on some mechanical stuff. He needs to learn how to – he needs to adjust to the speed of the NFL first off. Well, good week in Mobile is going to do a lot for him because you're going up against the best senior competition. If he plays well, you're going to hear a lot about Bajan getting possible day two talk. This is a guy that you might want to look at developing because there are tools – He's underdeveloped coming from a Shepherd College. And 
that's somebody that you want to take a chance on. He's a blank canvas. Work with him. If Kevin O'Connell's really a quarterback kind of whisperer, this is how you want to prove it. You want to get a blank canvas. Dave, you're an artist. <laughs> if you have, if you're given, it, it's I kind of relate it to a coloring book. If somebody gives you a coloring book and one sheet's got everything all mapped out and all you have to do is fill in the colors and the sheet next to it is blank, kids are going to probably want to go for the left. They're going to want to go with the lines because it, the base is already done and they get to be creative within the base. You as an artist with what you like to do, you like you like to be creative. and You like to be able to put everything out there without having somebody telling you how to start or how to begin because that's how your brain works. If you're a quarterback whisperer, you want to think like Dave. You have these tools. Now, how are you going to make it work? How are you going to develop them? How are you going to paint that canvas? If Kevin O'Connell's that QB whisperer, he should want a guy like Bajan. He should want to be able to develop all those tools and make and make it his creation, his robot in a lab. This is what you want. Is Bajan going to be that guy? I have no freaking clue. It's quarterback. Nobody knows anything when it comes to quarterbacks in this league. You could say, hey, I thought Malik Willis was going to be able to take the league by storm year one. He had a much bigger learning curve in the passing game than I thought. Plus, Mike Vrabel did absolutely nothing to help him. That didn't help his case either. I thought Carson Strong would be a great quarterback. He is maybe bound for the XFL. Like, you can see talent. You can project it out. Nothing's going to be perfect. Like, I, I have hits. I thought Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen would be two of the best three quarterbacks in that 2018 draft class. I, I, had, I had Baker Mayfield as one because of that moxie and that incredible arm. Baker had some good years, and he could still be good down the line. And Lamar and Allen, great. Like, you're going to have hits, you're going to have misses. But it's understanding where you went right and where you went wrong so you can help project forward. And I'm very interested to see what Bajant does long term. I really am. Because he has those kind of tools. Well, what sort now, of schedule are you going to have down there to watch these players? Now, we've just talked about the quarterbacks, and there's obviously other, every other position. But what sort of schedule do you, as a credentialed member of the press, when do you get availability to actually look at them? It's a great question, Dave, and we'll kind of talk about how you should watch the Senior Bowl because practices are going to air live on either ESPN or NFL Network. I think all the practices are airing on NFL Network now. Big thing with the Senior Bowl is you want to watch practice. You want to watch drills, one-on-ones, wide receivers versus corners. The game game's fine. You don't need the game. The game's an all-star game. You know how all-star games are. Right. It'll be They'll play it a little harder than a normal all-star game, but it's still an all-star game. You do those kind of things. You watch one-on-ones. You watch, hey, how does the receiver beat the corner? How does the corner keep up with the receiver? Then you watch how the quarterback throws the football. Are they accurate? Are they making reads with anticipation? How are they throwing the football? What do their mechanics look like? And those are the things that you want to watch for. You want to watch the little nuances. You you want to watch how they perform because you have an up-close view. All those little things. They make a big difference. And that's why being at the Senior Bowl makes all the difference because you get to see it in real time. You get to talk to those. Like One of the things I like more than anything is I like talking to people I know are smarter than me at this. Because when I talk to people smarter than me, I can bounce my ideas. Like, hey, I saw this from this guy. What did you think of this guy? 
oh, I didn't see it that way at all. I saw it this way. I'm like, okay, why did you see it that way? And then I can get a better sense of, hey, I missed this here. So I can do this next time when I see things. And I don't, I don't ask people to get opinions so I can change my own. Sometimes I do because they make a good point. I, I revisit it. I'm like, okay, I was wrong and they were right here. So I'm going to evolve my opinion based on new information. But talking to people who are smarter than you is the best way to learn. Because mm-hmm. it's great to be the smartest person in a room. It's better to be the dumbest person in the room. Like, because you can learn wow. so much from those who are smart and eager yeah, to and, learn. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, that's obviously hyperbole. Like it, I'll probably be in a room where I, I am the least knowledgeable person there and I'll be excited because I'll get to talk to all these people who know more than I do so I can continue to grow and get better. And those little things make such a difference, Dave, because you're going to be able to learn, see in real time, hear reactions in real time. I'll have columns going up for Vikings Wire. So will everybody else talking about the Senior Bowl, and it's going to be a really good experience that I am very excited to share with everyone because it's going to be, one, fun, two, entertaining, three, a wealth of knowledge. You're going to learn so much from reading people like myself, from hearing people like myself talk, And I I hope you tune in through the entire Senior Bowl process. We're going to have a ton for you. Those little things make make the biggest difference. How Mannerisms on the field. You get a look at these guys in real life. Like there is sometimes like Bryce Young, the quarterback from Alabama. He's listed at six foot, 194. There's no chance he's above 5'10". When you see a player, (laughs) you can get a sense like, oh, this school lied about their size or holy crap. That's a big human being like those things matter. And that's Mm -hmm. why being at the senior bowl is such a good thing. You get a sense of all these things that you never would have gotten before. What are you flying down there? um, My flight leaves, I think about five 55 AM on Monday. And I, I arrive back in Minnesota at about midnight on Friday night. So we'll be we'll be in Mobile for um, five days, four nights, and there's going to be a lot of information coming. There's going to be a lot going on, and let me tell you, I am excited to be able to share more about our Senior Bowl journey next Monday on the Real Forno Show because there's going to be a lot to talk about, and then we're probably going to start talking about some guests and bringing people on that know more than I do, so we can get you prepared even more for this Vikings offseason NFL draft. If you have any questions during the Super Bowl, you guys know how to get in contact with me. Um, I'm at the Real Forno on Twitter. Send me a message. Let's have a conversation about the NFL draft. Like, this is going to be, this is the best time of year. I love watching football. I love projecting forward and, and trying to piece the offseason together and make this team better. This is my time. And I'm very excited. And we're going to have a good ride here through the NFL draft. This week, we're going to be bringing you some some quick hitters from the stadium. We're going to be doing some, some stuff that way. We're And we're going to have a lot of fun. This is, you know, we're going to continue to update you on the Climbing the Pocket Twitter account. We're also going to update you on my own Twitter account. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff. And get ready. Going to be a good time. Dave, 
What do we have for the people before we end up taking off here for the evening? Uh, it's going to be uh, a week that celebrates the Senior Bowl. All our coverage will revolve around that from your show, which will go out Monday at the regular time. All the supplemental stuff that comes out. Vikings happy hour from the Senior Bowl, which will probably be pre-recorded as well. And then Darren and I will probably wrap things up next Saturday with one of the themes being what we saw at the Senior Bowl and moving on from there. Hopefully some point in time during that time period, we have an announcement of a new defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. Mm -hmm. We will do uh, an uh, emergency show if we have to, and we will discuss that as well going to be a good time guys get excited the off season is really starting to take hold now and kick off have fun enjoy it and as we always say skull vikings skull vikings thanks for watching like subscribe and ring the bell and rate us on your favorite aggregator and a special shout out goes to our partners the daily norsemen where the best Vikings content can be found and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.